if, what would you erase from existence right now? Like if you could take anything and just erase it from existence right now, what would it be? And what would, what would you gain from that? What difference would that make? Okay, so I'm going to give you uh, just a few seconds to think about that. What would you erase? For some of us, there's something that will come straight to our mind straight away. Or someone. No. <laughs> something that will come straight into our minds. Uh, and others of us will, will need to ponder a little more. But what difference would that make? Anyone want to shout out any of their thoughts? Or, and you don't have to. It might be pertinent not to. So I'm just going to trust you in that. Um, what kind of things do we find ourselves thinking of? Pride. Pardon? Pride. Pride. Who said that? It was so quick. It was, oh, up there, that's why. <laughs> Pride. War. War. Yeah. Cancer. Fear. Fear. Yeah. You know, we come to this text this morning uh, that Jerusha read for us. And, you know, the disciples were in this series from the upper room, notes from the upper room. And it's this time that Jesus is speaking with his disciples. He's, he's giving them, like, yeah, this, I want you guys to know this. And he's about to be arrested. We know he's just hours away from death. And the disciples are confused. They're full of fear. They, they don't understand what he said. He said, I'm going to have to go away, and, but it's important that I go away. But he said just a little bit before that, oh, there's so much more that I want to tell you, but you just can't bear it right now. Uh, but it's, of course, when the Spirit comes, they will. They'll understand, but right now they don't understand, and it's confusing. And so Jesus is speaking to the disciples in this point of pain and he's telling them that, you know, in, in a little while, I, you're not going to see me. And it fills them with fear, and it fills them with doubt and, and questions. They don't get it. They don't want it to go that way. What do you mean, in a, in a little while, they said? What is, what is it that he's saying to us? You're going to see me, you're not going to see me, because he's going to the Father. They don't understand this. They don't understand what he's saying. I mean, in a way, this text... And these conversations, whenever we see this interaction between Jesus and the disciples, it actually should and does bring some encouragement to us because we can relate, can't we? There's times where we also don't understand and might ask, Lord, what are you doing? I don't understand why this is happening. I just don't get this. Why the pain? Why the sickness? Why, why the war and the, and the hurt? The images that we see. So they're full of sorrow and confusion and fear. And Jesus knows this. He, he sees this. He, he knew what they wanted to ask them. And what is, what is this that he means to me? Like, in a little while. It's interesting, isn't it, that he sort of starts off with like, they, they kind of focus in and there's this repetition of in a little while. It's like, what about all the other stuff? It's like, oh, what does he mean in a little while? Like, how long? What does that mean? Like, how soon? How quickly? How long? Jesus meets them in their need. He sees their need. We see in verse 18, they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We don't know what he's talking about. And Jesus knew. And he knew that they wanted to ask him. And he said to them, is, is this what you're asking yourselves, what I meant by saying a little while and you'll not see me, and again a little while and you'll, and you'll see me? And he speaks to them in that place. But 
Jesus, the interesting thing that I was struck by as I read through this text was as Jesus is speaking to his disciples, he can see their pain, he can see their fear, he sees their confusion, but actually he doesn't, he doesn't switch it out with anything, right? He doesn't say, oh, you know what, I'm going to change that and just make you feel better now. Right? He doesn't he meets them in their need, but he doesn't take it away. In fact, more than that, he underscores the fact that actually, yes, you are going to suffer. That doesn't sound very comforting, does it? I don't know about you, but I have a tendency when somebody's saying to me like, oh, you know, that you can see the fear and the angst in their heart and through their words and their emotions, and you can see it in their face. There's something in us that wants to immediately change it and just make it right. I just want, I don't want you to feel like that. I don't want you to feel pain. I don't, I don't want you to, I don't want you to hurt. I don't, I don't want you to suffer. But actually Jesus says, yeah, truly, you will weep and lament. But the world will rejoice. Like it is all going to be about faith. You are going to be broken and everything else is going to feel upside down and you're going to be like going against the tide, swimming against the stream. You will weep and you will lament. But the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful. But your sorrow will turn into joy. Your sorrow will turn into joy. Jesus is not saying he is going to replace this with something better, to replace this sorrow with joy, but he is going to transform their sorrow into joy. It's not substituted, but it's transformed. God uses the very thing that causes sorrow and pain in our lives to transform us into something more, into something better, into something greater, into something that is lasting that can never be taken from us. And so it is that Jesus goes on and he gives the example of a woman giving birth. She has sorrow because her hour has come, but when she's delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. It's the same baby, right? The same thing that has caused the woman, the pain, the discomfort, the, I mean, that intensity. I clearly don't really know what I'm talking about, but what I've heard is that intensity of childbirth It's the same baby that then brings joy. Do you see that same thing that God uses, that same thing that was formerly the cause of such pain and hardship, is the, is the very thing that God uses to bring joy. There's a key principle here that I want us to think about this morning, and that is that God doesn't bring joy to our lives by substitution, but through transformation. He changes that thing, that situation, that reality into something greater for his purposes and for his glory. We think about that childbearing 
metaphor. It's, it's something that was common. We read it, read it through the, through the Old Testament often about God's people and the travail that would endure before they experience the coming of the Messiah and their salvation that is theirs, the hope that is to come. And it will be like uh, childbirth. It's waiting, this expectation. And so we're reminded then in this, Jesus is reminding us of the, the, the parent's dilemma. We see this. God isn't just bring joy through, through substituting something, just to quickly make us feel better, to take away that pain. Think about if, you, if we've all been children. We've all had parents, and some of us are parents, but we have that dilemma, don't we? Like when our kids, you know, the, the moment, usually as you're just about to go to the, out the door or, or arrive somewhere, and the, the head comes off the doll or the toy breaks, and it's, and what do we do? Or a, a friend can no longer come, and so, you know, they were going to come over and have a play date. No, they can't come. <laughs> what do we do? Oh, okay, I'll, I'll, here's a new toy. Or I'll ring another friend and bring them in. And we want to somehow, there's a tendency, we could, the dilemma there is to substitute in that, you know, we've, you've broken your toy, here's another toy. Your friend can't come, I'll bring another friend. But if we do that, if we do that, our child is never going to learn what it is to actually, well, we're going to think that to get through hardship and get through struggle is that, hey, when something's broken, we just get something else in. We just replace it. We substitute it. Quick, easy, done, over. Or when a friend can't come, if we teach our child, well, we'll just get somebody else to come. We'll, we'll just fill their place. We'll just substitute them with someone else. Then, then that child will grow up that any situation or hardship that they face, well, you just swap it in with something else that will make you feel better. Or when, or when you're facing a crisis or a situation that is hard, someone else is going to come in and alleviate that pain and that suffering for you. Somebody else will, will do that. That's what you need. Somebody else to come to fill that gap. But that isn't what happens. Because if it is, we, we will never, that child will never, we will never get to a place where we're actually equipped and able to deal with life as it comes at us. And that child will be spoilt and ill-prepared for life. See, we cannot mature emotionally or spiritually if somebody is always replacing our broken toys. And in our Christian life, God will take seemingly impossible situations and by his grace will transform that same situation into something other and will move us from trial to triumph and from sorrow to joy. Jesus says, you will have sorrow now. You will, truly. You will weep and lament, and the world will rejoice. Bad people will seem to get away with bad things, and you'll wonder why. You will be sorrowful, sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. You will experience this, but none of this will last. And likewise, none of the things that we try to substitute into our lives to alleviate pain will last apart from Jesus. 
You see, in our suffering and our sorrow, in our grief and in our pain, we try and fill those gaps and replace what's broken with something else or with someone else. But nothing apart from Jesus will actually bring us a joy or a hope or a peace that will last. And Jesus is inviting his disciples as he invites us today to trust and look to him for a joy that can never be taken away. But a little while can feel like a long time, can't it? I mean, I think there are things that we, many of us here are enduring or have endured for not just a small period of time, not just a few weeks, but years. So what do we do when a little while is actually dragging on? You know, that joy that I said, you know, my brother visited, and it was like so much fun, and boom, it was gone, and it was over. But these things that hurt us just tend to, it feels at times like they've settled. They've moved in. This is the now and the not yet of God's kingdom. That's what Jesus is saying. Hey, right, in a little while, you're not going to see me. But in a little while, you are going to see me. Jesus is anticipating his death and his resurrection, his coming again, his, his, his rising, his, his going to the Father and sending his spirit to be with us. This is the, the now and not yet of God's kingdom that has come through Jesus, the victory that is his through the cross, and yet the battle that we still face and endure. And yet there are, as I said at the very beginning, there is pain and there's suffering that we just long for the Lord to erase. Lord, would you just take this away? We want to speed things up. Lord, can we just avoid this? Jesus knew that, didn't he? As he prayed in the garden, Lord, if there is any other way, let this cup be taken from me. But at what cost? You see, there may be things that we can immediately think of. Oh, if, if we could erase that, then we would not, I wouldn't have to go through that. That would just, oh, that would be the benefit. But at what cost? You see, Jesus endured the cross, we read in Hebrews 12. That Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame today is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It's understandable that we want to be spared the pain. It's under, and, and Jesus sees this and he knows this. As he saw it in the disciples, he saw them and he knew what they were talking about. He knew what they were feeling in the same way that in our pain and in our suffering, Jesus knows because he's felt it. He's lived it. And he gave his life for it. The words of Jesus to his disciples at this moment in time didn't make sense to them. But they would. And it may be for some of us here this morning, we're hearing these words and it's, oh yeah, I just, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I still don't get it. But at some point, they will. 
at some point, by God's Spirit, by His revelation, there is understanding, and in that comes peace. That His words do make a difference, that this truth does make a difference. And in the meantime, we can count on the tenderness and the compassion of our God who meets with us, who knows us, who understands, who sees our pain and understands our suffering. So I wonder, as I asked that question right at the very beginning, what would we like to erase from existence right now? What is it that we're carrying? What is it that, that hurts us? What's our cross? And to think about the Christian faith and the cross, a symbol that was one of, of death and shame and such cruelty and torture and humiliation that was transformed into a thing of victory. of triumph and of hope. I wonder what is our cross this morning. And as we look at that thing, as we hold it to the cross, how would God transform that very thing that you would love to be erased, to be substituted, how might he transform that for something even greater, for something even more? As you look to the cross, how does that symbolize your pain? We do well to come back again and again and again and always to the cross of Jesus. In our biggest questions, in our biggest doubts, in our biggest moments of uncertainty, we come again to the cross. And there we kneel in our hurt and our pain and we surrender it all again to the Lord. And in that place as we sit before the cross and we see our pain held, we can remember that God is in control and that he cares for you. So much so that Paul was able to say not to be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, bring your requests and make them known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you, we read in First Peter. We know, we can know when we look at the cross that God is in control. Even at that moment of doubt, of uncertainty, of what feels like the greatest moment of weakness, God is in control and he loves us. When we look at our pain, we can be reminded that God brings beauty from ashes. He comforts those who mourn and he provides for those who grieve. He bestows on us a crown of beauty instead of ashes. God transforms our pain. We read in Revelation that Jesus, the one who was seated on the throne, says, I am making everything new. God transforms our pain into something greater, into a joy that is ours forever. God is in control, he brings beauty from ashes, and he can turn around the worst and the seemingly most impossible situation that we face. Do you remember when Joseph was faced by his brothers 
And he said, look, you intended to harm me, but God intended this for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. When we ask the question, what would we love God to erase from our lives, from existence, at what cost? For that short-term immediate alleviation of pain, for just, just take it away, Lord. But at what cost? What is, what is God doing? What transformation is he bringing to our lives? We can trust that God is in control and that he loves us, that he brings beauty from ashes, that he can turn around the worst situation, and more than anything, nothing is wasted. In Joel, we read that, that God says, I will repay the years the locusts have eaten. And so with the psalmist, we can say, why then, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. When we look to the cross and we bring to the cross our pain and our suffering and our sorrow, we, can remind, we are reminded that there is hope for the blessing that is yet to come. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, to prosper, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. In Isaiah, we read, since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. What is that pain that we would love God to erase and take away from us right now? What would be the gain? What would be the advantage of that right now? It's, it's obvious and it's understandable that there are so many things that we would say, Lord, this, surely, surely this. One Christian leader and writer wrote this, that only Christianity of all the world's major religions teaches that God came to earth in Jesus Christ and became subject to suffering and death, itself, death himself. Do you see what this means? Yeah, we do not know the reason God allows evil and suffering to continue or why it is so random, but now at least we know what the reason is not. It cannot be that he does not love us. It cannot be that he does not care. He is so committed to our ultimate happiness that he was willing to plunge into the greatest depths of suffering himself. He understands us. He's been there. And he assures us that he has a plan to eventually wipe away every tear. And someone might say, but that's only half an answer to the question, why? To which we respond, yes, but it is the half we need. In a little while, Jesus says, you're not gonna see me. And we may be in that little while right now of wondering, Lord, where are you? I don't see you. I don't know your presence. I don't know your joy. I don't know your peace. I don't see you, Jesus. And in that place, there is grace and there is mercy. 
And as we come now to celebrate communion, we do so remembering and sharing in the elements, the body and the blood of Christ that we share in his death that we might too share in his life, his resurrected life. But it's through the cross and there is no other way.